Father, we stand in your presence this afternoon. Every heart that is broken, everyone that has been hurt, abused, misused, taken advantage of, may they hear the message of that song this, this afternoon. May they know that your presence is ever near them. May they know that the angels stand over them. And I thank you, Lord, as you take us through these valleys, that we will continue to grow more and more in love with you and put our trust in you alone. And Lord, we'll continue to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. And everyone said, Amen. Yep. You may be seated. You may be seated. Guys, let, let me just say this. Um, and the reason why we, we preach it hard and we, we stop and we don't, try to, we don't try to just go through the motions on a Sunday morning, because listen to me carefully. If your Christianity does not help you in the world that you live in, this is a waste of time. Do you understand me? If you can't pick up something on a Sunday morning from the, from the message and say, you know what, I'm going to go home and practice that. If you can't find anything to practice, you just wasted your whole morning. It's a beautiful day. You should have gone to the beach. Do you understand? You should have just stayed home and watched the game or something. But when you come to church, you must come to church on purpose. You must come in saying, Lord, I, I need to learn something fresh today. I need to know something new. I need to learn something so I can go and put it into practice. Because if you don't go put it into practice, this is just, there are bigger plays and bigger things in town. You don't have to come to church. But once you start to take this word and apply it to your life, and it starts to transform you, then this becomes more than just a game. This becomes a way of living for the rest of your life. Oh, by the way, my name is Pastor Henry. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Pastor Steve is away. He's picking up his elder daughter uh, and bringing her home to, from Missouri. Uh, please keep Pastor Stephen praying. There's so much he has on his plate. He's bringing his oldest daughter back and then his, other, his youngest daughter getting married at the end of the month. And, and, and he's in meetings for building expansion and, and then hope days coming on. And there's people all around the state and country that are calling him to come preach, come teach, come, you know. And he's, he's all over the place and has a lot on his plate as well as managing and, and, and continue to bring vision to a growing church, to a growing church. So please keep you in prayer. A lot of times people admire the men and women of God, but they, don't, they, but they forget to pray for them. So don't just admire him, pray for him. That God will keep him strong and healthy and, 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 and continue to use him to speak into this congregation. Last week, Pastor Steve started a, a part one of his message on unstoppable church. The unstoppable church. I'm doing the part two of that that sermon, and, uh, and, and we're calling this, this title, or this song, or this uh, sermon, The Unstoppable Church Family. Do you know the church is a family? Or it's supposed to be a family? I know some places you go that, that, that it's almost like uh, uh, it's a mess. It's a mess. And, and, and who's sleeping with who? And who's doing this? And who's trying to perform? And who's trying to do this? And, and the pastor's running away with the secretary. And the treasurer's running away with the money. And, 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 and people are so fed up, they don't want to go to church anymore. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and so the church uh, is supposed to be a family. It's supposed to be a family. A place that you can come where people can pray for you, encourage you, cry with you, hug you, correct you, tell you when you're going crazy. Do you understand? This, that's what family is all about. And so I was at the treadmill. I need to see you two after here, okay? Man of God. Um, I was at the treadmill running this week, and, and, and I was thinking about this sermon that I was talking about, getting ready for, and, and I thought to myself, what are some of the things that constitute a family? Because we, whether we like it or not, we come from somewhere. Family. And one of the things I started to realize is this. You and I are either born into or adopted into a family. Right? We're either born into a family. And you don't get to choose what family you're born into. And some of us, we have crazy family. Right? There's always one person in the family. Have you always noticed that? The rest of the, the, rest of the family is calm, but they have one, one there that just turns the whole family upside down. Right? But we're all born into a family. The other thing we notice about families is that we have similar blood types, right? That's why if someone happens, you can get, I can give you blood in there. Because why? We, we, similar blood types. Because why? We're family. We're family. Another thing about family is this. We resemble one another, right? We resemble one another. Someone came up to me earlier and said, Pastor, I saw your son out there. Man, that, that boy looks just like you, Right? And, and, and he said, that boy is handsome. I said, where do you think you got it from? Where do you think you got it from? <laughs> Hallelujah. Even pastors need to stay humble. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? But we, we tend to look like each other when we're in family. That's how we can identify. Mm, that, that's John's son. That, that's Matthew. That's, that's Martha's daughter. Right. Because you look like each other. There's a resemblance when you're in a family. And the other thing about family is this. You carry the family name. You carry the family's name. I remember, don't kill yourself, but I remember that there was a time that, that uh, uh, my mother would say, don't disrespect our name. Don't you know you're a dentist? Big on family. I remember you go back 50, 60 years ago, and, 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 and it was Italians marrying Italians. Very calm. There was Jamaicans marrying Jamaicans. Very calm. Huh? A Hispanic marrying Hispanic. Oh, barababusi. Yeah, very good. Do, do you understand? I, that was not Spanish, by the way. Do, 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 do you understand me? That, that everyone was married. And then all of a sudden, there came a time where everybody started marrying everybody else, when Africans were marrying Chinese. And Hispanic were marrying Jamaicans. And, and, and I thought, what? Because that attacked our prejudice. You know, when people say, don't you bring that kind of, any kind of boy in this house? And don't you realize that the people that you expect your, your children to love are not the people that they want to love? Because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is this. Is the person you're bringing to marry a Christian. See, some of us, we want, we want to stay in our culture. Don't, you bring me an Italian boy. He, he must be this. He must be this. He must be this. And it, he, you don't mind what he is as long as he looks good. He may be a devil in disguise, but you're all right as long as he's Italian. Now, I told my boys, you, you want to marry someone? First of all, fine, make sure she's pretty. Hallelujah. No ugliness here, no, no. 
no mercy, son, is she beautiful? Well, dad, I don't know, if that's it, if you can't say yes, then no. You can't say, well, she's a Christian. Yeah, but she's an ugly Christian. No, no, no. Is she a Christian? And is she a Christian? I don't care whether she's Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Hispanic. I don't care who she is. We'll, we'll open our arms up and we'll welcome her into the family. Do you understand me? Because God is doing a thing. But families, you, you know the same thing about families as well, is that if you're going to keep the unity of a family, then there's some things that you and I need to understand in families that if we don't know how to, one, handle conflict, you won't be family. And the other thing we learn in families is this, you have to know how to love people unconditionally. Otherwise, you'll just throw them to the side. The same thing is familiar or similar in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ. And at the end of the day, listen to me carefully, at the end of the day, when you come to the end of your life, the end of your life, the only thing that will matter is whether you are a part of the family of God. Let me just say this. Just because you come to church and your name is on the church roster doesn't mean you're part of the family of God. There's only one way you become part of the family of God. You have to be born into the family. Just like you're born into your family, you need to be born into the family of God. I ask people all the time, I, 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 what, what, how long have you been a Christian? They say, Pastor, I've been a Christian since the day I was born. No, you haven't. You didn't come out of your mother's womb saying, Hallelujah, Jesus is Lord. No. You were born like I was born in sin, separated from God. That's why when Nicodemus comes to Jesus in John chapter 3, Nicodemus says, what must I do to be born again? Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, well, I have to go back into my mother's womb and be born? No. But Jesus said, you have to be born of the water and born of the Spirit. Born of the Word and born of the Spirit of God. When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are born into the family of God. You are born into the family of God. Not only are you born into the family of God, God now becomes your father. He was the God of all creation, but when you accept his son as Lord and Savior, he then becomes not only your God, but now he becomes your father. Very few religions refer to their God as father. You have your Bible, so with me to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So just like a, 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 a normal father, what constitutes a, a spiritual fa a family or a, a healthy, uh, vibrant, unstoppable family is that you, we are born into that family. Or we are adopted. That's why Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 14. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Lift your head one minute. Who are the sons of God? Those that are led by the Spirit, and I would say those that have the Spirit of God living in them. 
Verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I, I don't know if you were here last week, but we sang that song, I am a child of God, and this place exploded. Why? Because everyone else in here that were Christians, the Spirit of God in you was bearing witness when you were singing that song that you are a child of God. People say, Pastor, can I know that I'm going to heaven before I die? Absolutely. Why? The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Who, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, you can say. And the Spirit of God resides in you is a witness and a deposit And I guarantee that if you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, you're on your way to heaven. So if you're going to be part of a church family, you have to first and foremost be born, like a normal family, into the body of Christ. Number two, we realize that even in the body of Christ, there is a common blood, a common bloodline. You know, when people say, I'm blood, I'm blood. You know, when, I remember when we were dating uh, 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 back in the days when, uh, and someone would say something to your sister. Let's say your girlfriend said something to your sister that was cheeky or rude. You know, and, and they would, ah, 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 don't you dare talk to my sister like that. And why, why, she said this. Well, I don't care. Blood is thicker than. Huh? You're basically saying, girl, you can go. My sister is staying here forever. In the body of Christ, there is a bloodline that runs through us, and it's the blood of Jesus Christ. The reason why we are more family than you will be of your natural family, because some of your natural family may not make it to heaven, but every one of your church family that have accepted Lord and Savior, they will be in heaven. That's why we say to people, be careful who you're sitting next to and treat them right, because they will be in heaven. Do you understand? And so the reality, the, the, the bloodline that, that links us all together is Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says in Hebrew, come boldly into the throne room of God through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus. The thing that connects us all together as Christians is that we are under one blood. And that blood paid the price so that you and I could have eternal life. That's why there will be no boasting in heaven. Everyone that gets to heaven will be able to say, I didn't get here for my good works. I didn't get here because I look cute. I didn't get here because of this or that. I got here because of the price that was paid on the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ was shed for me. That's why you are part of the family of God. So not only are you born into the family, there's this bloodline that connects all of us, which is the blood of Jesus. And on top of all that, we start to resemble each other. Have you ever hung around Christians long enough? Just like you resemble people in your, in your family, you and I are supposed to be resembling someone. Uh, go with me quickly to the, the, to the Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Peter 
Peter and John are arrested in Acts chapter 4, and they're taken to the Sanhedrins, and they're beaten, and they're thrashed, and, and, and they are so bold. One minute before the cross, uh, Peter's a coward. Now that he's uh, seen the resurrected Christ, he's bold like a lion, and, and, and the Sanhedrins are threatening them and, and intimidating them and telling them, you can't talk about Christ. And, 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 and then Peter goes on in, in verse 12, says, nor is, there any, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And, 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 the, and the Sanhedrin, are, they are dumbfounded how confident these guys are. And then when we pick up the story in verse 13, this is what it says. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with, what's the next word? Jesus. The mark of a Christian that he belongs to the family is that he talks like Jesus, walks like Jesus, worships like Jesus, has characteristics like Jesus. You and I should be looking like Jesus the older we get. The longer you're in the church and the longer you are a Christian, every year we should be coming more and more and more like Jesus. Why? So that when people look at you, they say, wow, she looks like a daughter of God. He looks like a son of God. So the older, and I tell the seniors all the time in the senior Bible study, the older you get, the sweeter you should be. But we all have seen contagious, old, miserable Do you understand me? And, 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 then they, and then people get up and boast, Pastor, don't you know I've been in the church 30 years? Don't you know I've been a Christian for 35 years? And I look around and say, man, you sure look like a baby. But Pastor, I'm 85 years old, 85-year-old baby. That's why it looks bad. But the older you are in the kingdom of God, the sweeter you should be. So why? Because we are becoming more and more and more like Jesus. We resemble him. And I think the most powerful thing about this whole thing is that not only are we born into the family, not only do we have a, a, a resemblance of God, not only is the bloodline running through us, there is one aspect of this, this, this family that we have which is powerful, is that we carry his name. Christian, do you understand the name you carry? The Bible says they were first called Christians in Antioch. Christians, Christians, that means Christ followers. In other words, I follow Christ. You are a Christian. Above anything in this world, you are first and foremost a Christian. Before you are Jamaican, you are a Christian. Before you are Italian, you are a Christian. Before you are Hispanic, you are a Christian. Before you are Greek, Latin, whatever you are, before you are African, you are first and foremost a Christian. Anything you put before your Christianity will make you prejudiced. And as a Christian then, the first question you and I are always asking ourselves is this. What does the Bible say? 
Because if if I'm going to model being a child of God, I have to find out what God says and become what he wants me to become. Part of the thing that changes us is this. Romans 12 says, we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means the way I used to live, I no longer live that way. Why? Because my mind is being renewed. The Bible says, set your mind. The Bible says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Because when the word is rich on the inside, it transforms you. And you start to resemble your God. That's why when the people, when the Sanhedrin saw these people, they know that it wasn't because of their education. It wasn't because they were trained. It wasn't because they were this or that. No, they had been hanging around Jesus so much that they started to talk like him. And so like in any regular family, in our church family, you know, people come in here and say, man, pastor, we love coming to Bethlehem Assembly of God. But don't you know it takes work to keep the unity of this body? For over 25 years, Pastor Steve has been leading this congregation and he has worked diligently on the unity of this earth. Because in this church, there are so many cultures, so many different languages, black, white, Hispanic, Chinese, so many different things. And if we ever were to lean culturally, we would offend people. That's why as a body of believers here, we lean biblically. Because the thing that ties us all together is the blood of Jesus Christ and the word of God and the spirit of God. And so whom the son has set free is free indeed. That's why you are biblical before you are cultural. In some cultural settings, a, a, a parent can go into their, parent, into their kid's house and meddle in their business. Hey, baby, I don't like those curtains over there. I, you need to change those curtains and put pink curtains up. Meddling. Biblically, the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 4.11, as much as it's within your power, mind your own business. And I say that to parents of 23 and 25 years all the time. And the kids are in the back say, yeah, yeah, Pastor, tell them, tell them. <laughs> do, do you understand me? Because of the reality of it is this, that you and I have to understand that we are biblical. But in any family, the, the only way we, as a family we can go ahead and build a strong vibrant, Bible-believing, healthy church, healthy church, is that as a body of believers, we must have two things, a common mission and a common strategy. A common mission that rallies us all together. And the reason why I say this is because some churches, some places you go, people treat pastors like gods. Pastor, you tell me what to do, and I'll do whatever you tell me what to do. No, that's just laziness. And if ever you put a pastor in that position, he will manipulate you. 
And people come and say, Pastor, uh, come to me and say, Pastor Henry, this pastor helped me. How? He he told me to do this. Did you do it? Yes, you fool. (laughs) Who told you to go do it? Pastors are men and women. We have two legs, two arms, two mouths. I mean, one mouth. (laughs) One mouth. Do you understand me? All we're doing, we're operating in our gifting. But we're not here to control your life. People come and say, well, pastor, tell me what to do. No, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Because if you, if you fall in a pit, you're going to come back and blame me. Now, pastors are there to guide you what God is saying to you. To confirm what God is saying to you. So don't ever put a man of God in that position. But then we come back and too focused. So what what are the things that are going to keep us united and in a common mission? What is our mission as a church? The Bible, as Pastor Steve and the leadership got together, we we prayerfully went over this for months and years and to say, okay, God, what is it that you're calling Bethlehem Assembly of God to do? Because it's not good enough just to get saved, just to be a disciple. And nobody's going to heaven with you. So what's the common mission we rally around? Our common mission is this. We make disciples. This is what we do as a body. We make disciples that love, grow, and serve. When people say, what what do you do at Bethlehem? We, We invite people to church. Why? To love God and love their neighbors. To grow in their, in their knowledge of the word and grow in relationship and fellowship with one another. That's why you can't stay home and be a Christian. And then we help people to serve. After they, they love God, after they grow and mature, we say, now go serve. Go find someone else that you can bring back so that we can take them through the same process to love God, to serve, uh, to, to love God, to grow and to serve and go back and love God and grow and serve and to go back and love God and grow and serve. Listen to me carefully. You cannot be selfish. And the people that are most miserable in their walk with God are the Christians that are not doing anything. And then they pick on things. The carpet's dirty. The seats are not soft enough. The seats are too soft. Why? You have no purpose, you have no meaning, you have no direction. So you, you, you put your mind on those silly things. When we're talking about a soul of a person, you're talking about cars. When we're talking about the soul of a human being, you're talking about houses. When we're talking about the soul and the eternity of a man or a woman, you're talking about trivial things. But the goal of every single, and the reason why we're hammering this home this morning is this, because God needs every single member of this church to take their positions. 
God has called you and saved you on purpose to be a part of this transition. You may be a part of bringing people in that will learn how to love God and love their neighbors. You may be a part of the journey that you will help disciple people so that they learn the word and how to put that word into practical use. Or you may be a part of the people that are serving people and learning to lead others. But there's room for everyone who calls this home. With a common mission comes a common strategy. And how have we come to the, to the conclusion of how we're going to love, grow, serve? We came through much prayer, and the strategies are just two simple strategies. One, we're going to do Grow University. That's the education wing of the church, where we learn the Word of God. We learn what it means to be saved. We learn what righteousness means. We learn what eternity is. We learn about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. We learn all these things so that we can then go participate in part two, which is the one groups, where you take everything you've learned and now you go back and live life with people. And for the rest of your life, you're bringing people in to love God, grow, and serve. One of the things that we've done, uh, uh, Pastor Steve has done, is, is that he's, got, he's, put, he's bringing a lot of leaders around him now, and, and we're starting to invest into other leaders. And so Namit is the, the deputy director, or deputy director, it sounds like the FBI, is the, is the assistant director of, of the one groups. He's the one that's going to be challenging you when you come to church and you're saying, I'm full of the spirit, I'm full of the... He's going to say, hey, who are, you, who, are you, who are you mentoring? You're full of it, so who are you pouring into? If you're full of it, who are you sharing with? One of the worst things we can do is come here, get filled, and go home, do nothing. Come back and get filled, filled, filled. There comes a time you come to church, you're already filled. There's no more room for the word. And then you start hearing, well, this church doesn't feed me anymore. Uh, this church, uh, I don't know, because all that stuff in you, you're so fat, spiritually. You're so fat spiritually, there's no more room. Because why? Every time you receive, you're supposed to be pouring out. Every time you receive, you're supposed to. By the time you get here in the morning, on Sunday, you should be empty so that you can be filled again. Empty so that you can be filled again. And so Namit has come alongside uh, Pastor, Pastor, Henry, uh, Pastor Steve, and Vinny has come alongside me to do the Grow University, to learn the Word, to study the Word, so that we're not just entertaining you on Sunday morning, we are teaching you. We're teaching you on Wednesday night. We're teaching you how to go out in that hellhole of the world and stand up and say, yes, I will not be like everybody else. I will not be ashamed of who I am. I'm a Christian. But if you don't know the word and you're not confident in who you are in Christ, that world out there will swallow you up. Let me, so we do one groups. We're doing these different things and, and, and come tell us why is it so important that we get into relationship and fellowship and all that stuff. I want to share a story with you guys. Uh, some of you may know this. There was one time a farmer looked into his field and he saw this gigantic carrot. 
And he was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. So he brings it to his king. And he lays it before his king and he says, my king, I, this is the biggest carrot I am ever going to grow. And I want you to have it. The king discerned the farmer's heart. And as the farmer turned to leave, the king said, wait, 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 wait. You've done a great job with the land that you had. Here's some more land. I want you to take care of it completely for free. The farmer left rejoicing in the gift that he had been given. Now, one of the noblemen in the court overheard this conversation, and he thought to himself, what? You get all that land for just a carrot? I wonder what the king would give for an even greater gift. So the next day, the nobleman shows up before the king, and he says, my king, my king, I breed horses, and this is my most prized horse. I don't think I'll ever breed a better horse than this. And the king discerned the nobleman's heart, and he said, thanks, and dismissed him. Now, the nobleman was perplexed, and he's like, what the heck's going on here? And the king goes, oh, oh, oh I, I understand. I understand you're conflu confused. Let me explain. The king said, the farmer gave me the carrot. You gave yourself the horse. You understand the story? We can be so quick to give and to pour and to serve, but who is it, who is it that you and I are serving? To what end are you and I serving? Are we serving for ourselves? And this is, and this is the, the camouflage of religion. This is what many of us may, may know. We're serving and we're passionate and, and we believe that our lives have been transformed by Jesus, yet everything we expect is for us. We look inward, not outward. We live in a very, very interesting time in our culture. You could do church from home, so to speak. You could lay up on your couch in the comfort of your spiritual pajamas and you can turn on your smart TV and you can browse through the selections of what is offered in Christianity today. You could look at your specific worship style and say, I'm, I'm feeling a Hillsong vibe today with a Pastor Henry preaching and a Pastor Steve kind of altar call, and I'm good. And then on the other day, I'm feeling more of an elevation type of thing. I, I could vibe with T.D. Jakes, and I want a Judah Smith altar call. You can consume 15 sermons a day if you wanted to. And that's not, that's not bad. That's awesome. But what becomes bad is you convince yourself that you're growing when all you're doing is consuming. An interesting, th uh, interesting thing has happened in America. A couple of decades ago, we would look at our business relationships with one another, and we would see ourselves as consumers. You provide me the best uh, product for the right price, and it's all business. I'll take your company. But the moment a company that offers a better product at a lower price comes around, I'll take that instead. It's nothing personal. It's all business. Something that has happened, though, in American culture that all of us are plagued with is that what was once reserved for just the marketplace and businesses now appears in our personal lives. I'll go to this church because it serves my needs. And, and the moment a better pastor comes along, or the moment a better speaker comes along, or the moment uh, a, a younger church comes along, I think I might go there instead. Man, I really vibe with my friend group. Like, they're awesome. Oh, but the moment one of them crosses me, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna draw a circle that excludes that one person. And if the entire group crosses me, I'm just gonna go find another group. 
We may even do that with our families. We are, we are so individualistic in the name of progression, but we're so alone in the name of sadness. Our culture has taught us to be consumers. The gospel asks us to be producers. See, here's the difference when it comes to Christianity and everything else. Christianity says you're not fighting for fulfillment. You're not fighting for identity. You are living from it. And all of this is going to completely go over your heads. Pastor Henry's message is not going to phase you until you first begin to understand that you are not giving and you are not going to lay your life down for the sake of somebody else. For you, you're going to do it for somebody else. And the only way that you can get to a place where you want to produce for somebody else is to understand what Jesus did for you. If your life is all about you inward, if you can never look outward, could you look to Jesus and see what he has done for you first and foremost? What makes a healthy family? A healthy family is a family that produces for one another, not consumes from one another. Imagine that one person in your family you know is a consumer, and if you can't think of a consumer, it's probably you. Imagine that one person, you know that you do not contribute to the family at all. You do not care about the interests of the family. All you can care about is what you can get for yourself. And if you do something, it's probably all for selfish gain and motivation and purposes. What makes us think we're not going to bring that here? The mark of a healthy family is are we engaged in the same identity like Pastor Henry laid out, but then are we engaged in the same mission? And that is what we have here, to make disciples that love, grow, and serve. That doesn't happen by accident. It happens when we are intentional about it. It happens when we do that in response to what Jesus has done for you and I. It's interesting, when you read Acts, As people came to know Jesus, as people's lives became transformed, they became a part of a community that was actually meaningful, that was deep, not superficial. It said that they met in the temples and they met in their homes. Now, the significance of the temple back then was that that would be the place that they would go to grow in their understanding of God. And the reason why they would meet in their homes was to live out that understanding. We, we, have, we are offering you temples and homes here. We're offering you Grow University as a space where you can come and grow and understand and stretch yourself. But we're also offering you a place where you can exercise that. You build up all those spiritual calories and then you live out those spiritual calories. You, you exercise it in one group. And if you're a gatherer in this space or you've just started the training class to becoming a gatherer, this is what you produce. The people around you, sitting around you right now, those are people that you have the opportunity to pour your life into. You have to buy into the mission that this church has, or else, what are you going to be producing? And I don't mean to say this, and I'm trying to suck as much emotion out of this, because I can get passionate, and I can talk about things, and then I can manipulate you. And I know some of you in this space have been hurt by churches and hurt by speakers and hurt by people that have done that. They've tried to coerce you and manipulate you to get some sort of response. That's not not what we're about here. Don't do this anything less than God asking you to. And God can use your emotions to do that, but I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to coerce you. I'm just trying to lay out to you 
that a church is a family when they have the common identity, like Pastor Henry said, and they have a common mission. And this is our mission, that we want to see people come to know Jesus, making disciples that love, grow, and serve. What God has done in you, he wants to do through you. And you may be sitting here now going, all right, all right, I'm a part of Grow University. I attend the classes, or I think I'm going to, but I'm not a part of a one group. And I, I, I'm not leading a one group. What are, my, what are my options now? How do I produce? How do I contribute? How do I become a, a deeper component of this family where it's not just about me, but it's about the sake of other people? We're going to be unfolding and unleashing a campaign this summer that centers around prayer. And we've got a video for you with a little bit more information. Let's watch this. There is nothing more powerful than a praying church. There's nothing more powerful than prayer. And we're going to take a journey together. It's 40 days of prayer. And we're going to set aside 40 days of seeking God in prayer personally and corporately. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to hear sermons for six weeks. We're going to hear sermons about prayer. Then we're going to gather in small groups during the summer. When we take off from Grow University, we're going to get together in small groups. And you can be a gatherer. You can gather people together to pray. Why? Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, anything can happen. And I'm believing for miracles for your life, for your family, for your children, for this world, for your community. And I believe it happens through prayer. So come, join us on this journey of prayer, 40 days of prayer starting in July. God bless you. Some of you may be sitting in this space thinking, that sounds like a lot. Like, you're, you're, asking, you're asking me to give up a lot here. And if you are that person thinking, what, what am I going to get out of this? What, why, why would I give up my, my home? Why would I give up my conveniences? Why would I give up my time? Could I, could I humbly ask you to look to the cross and see how essential sacrifice is to the life of a believer? And I'm going to just let that sit there. I'm going to let you work with that as you will. But for, for those of you in this space that are just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I have been consuming more than I have been producing. I, I, need, I need that outlet. And, and that, that sounds like something I can do. We've got to sign up outside. We've got a table out there. And we've also got this journal for you. We're selling it for $15. And this is going to go through the entirety of 
the prayer campaign. We're going to hear a message about prayer every Sunday. And then that week, you are going to be asked to gather in a small group of people that you invite into your space. And yes, it's a sacrifice. Yes, you're giving up a little bit more. But what you are producing for the kingdom of God and what you are producing for those that are around you is going to be insurmountable in comparison to just living for yourself and consuming for yourself. I want you to make this decision because God is asking you to make this decision. But we're going to have a sign up outside. We really want you to consider and contemplate, could you do something for the sake of somebody else that can transform them? And if you're in this space and you do produce, you, you serve the, your, your butt off here, this is, this is not for you. This is not a way of saying, you've, you've already killed yourself, kill yourself some more. No, no, no. Thank you for the service that you do here. This, this church wouldn't operate the way that it is, and we wouldn't reach the people that we are had it not been for your service and your sacrifice and your obedience and your devotion to God and this space and this house. This is not for you. But this is for you that has been consuming this whole time. And what Pastor Henry said, you're fat, and you need some ways to burn off some of those spiritual calories. This, this is your avenue. So, you know the saying that you can lead the, what are you? <laughs> I was going to call it another animal, but it's a horse, right? It is a horse, yeah. You can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make it drink, right? God has a funny way of bringing things up in the seasons of our lives to care for us so that we would take the opportunity and let that thing minister to you. What would it look like if you invited some people over to your house to pray? What could it transform in your home? Could it be a, a, another way of starting to get to know people so that when we come to church, we don't just say, say hi and leave, but we get to know people along the journey? Because I, we found out that people that make friends in church usually stay. Usually stay around. And so what we want to do and encourage you this afternoon is, is, is just to say, we're going we're to close up in a, right now in a few minutes. And, and, and the altar call this morning is not to come forward. Actually, it's to go back there. It's to go back and say, you know what, Pastor? I've, I've never done that before, but maybe this is the reason why God gave me a house in the first place. Ooh. Could that be a reason? Or do you think he gave you the house so you can just look good? Maybe the, this is the reason why God gave me a studio apartment. That I can get a couple of my friends over and we can just have a, have a great time. Could it be that God is saying something to us in this day and age? That's why we're having all kinds of people that are coming on board on leadership here. Because bringing different voices, bringing different perspectives. Uh, Namit is a young adult. He's probably 20 years younger than me. And he probably speaks a whole other language that young adults understand. There's a language that my group of people understand. There's a language where other people uh, understand. And, but we're all saying the same thing. Because why? The same blood travels through all of us. And all we're trying to do is find other people and bring them here so that they can have an opportunity to love God, love each other, grow together, so that they can go help serve with other people so we can go find other people. Have you ever imagined what it would be like if, you, if no one had talked to you about Jesus? Can you imagine that? If no one had said anything to you about Jesus, what would your life be? I know, I would be a mess. 
So all we want to do today, today is just to encourage you. We're going we're gonna to close up in prayer. Anthony and the team are going to give us a, a rocking song to take us home because it's a gorgeous day out there. Do you understand? But we want you to let, let the Spirit of God get a hold of your heart this morning and, and this afternoon and say, God, if, if that's me, you're calling me too late. Now on the way out, just assign, as, as Namit said, go ahead and sign your name. You know, and we'll get back to you in June, uh, uh, yeah, early June and July, and, and remind you about your commitment. And then we'll say, hey, here's an opportunity that we can get together in the summer. There'll be no classes in the summer uh, during, uh, Grow You on a Wednesday night. No, we'll be in, in homes, gathering once a week for six weeks to pray. Once a week, six weeks to pray. And then we'll come back and celebrate. You think we left anything out? We're good. So why don't we stand to our feet? The Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. And that's why we're going to have a song this morning that's going to rock you and you'll be skipping and skiing, not skiing, skipping and skip, slipping and slipping, something out all the way out the door. <laughs> do you understand? So you have a wonderful week. Have a wonderful week. Really do. Really do. Lift your head up. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember you are a child of God. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That God has given you authority. And you walk in the power and the anointing of the Spirit. Father, I thank you for those that are here this afternoon. I thank you, Lord, that you are a good God and you watch over us. I thank you, Lord, that you give us opportunity to be able to come into fellowship with one another. To get to know other people. To be able to minister to other people. To walk arm in arm with our fellow believers. I thank you that you've given us a mission to, to bring people together that will love God and love each other. You brought us together that we may grow together in the word. And then you brought us together to serve together, whether it's in the church or out of the church. Father, I thank you for keeping the unity of the body here. We thank you that we have a common mission and a common strategy. We thank you for our senior pastor that has led us for over 25 years. We thank you, Lord, that we don't take for granted that what you've given us here as a church. There will be many who would love the same opportunity, but you've given it to us. Help us to steward what you've given us. Help us to help those that are here find their way to you. And when it's all said and done, help us to know that you are still Lord and still God. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving and everyone said, Amen. Amen.